Uh, Hi there. Today's edition of Creative Dialogues is a switch from our regular format. So knowing that this is a new format, I'm going to have our theme song play backwards under my introductory voiceover. Yeah. Welcome to Creative Dialogues. Creative Dialogues is a Wollongong City Council project that focuses on the arts, upskilling and collaborating with practical steps for the working creative. My name is Tom Hogan. This episode is Getting It Out There, producing, touring and exhibiting your content. Huh, that was sick. Today's episode will be a look at touring in the performing arts and getting your work out there. Uh, to whatever ends or goals you need. Obviously, a lot of the advice here, as well as with discussions from previous episodes, is equally relevant to other art forms. And I have two people on board who gave fantastic practical advice for an artist in the performing arts. Both people work at touring performing arts in different ways, and both people gave insightful and practical advice that I feel I can take on board immediately. I realise I'm saying the words practical advice um, a lot, but I I think I'm just like it. Anyway, part one. From the point of view of the artist. First, I'm going to introduce you to Tamara Campbell from Laughter House Entertainment. Tamara seems to have created her own touring model, which she's taken to over 27 countries. She has a character named Kiki Bitovabitch. Good Lord, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly which she refers to in this chat as Kiki. As good context and setup for this discussion, listen to how she got into this position of taking charge and putting her career in her own hands. Both Dave and I started our performing careers very independently on opposite sides of the world, to be honest, Um, because he was so... um, Dave, to give you a little bit of context, Dave left school at 14 and started street performing in Covent Garden. Mm. Um, He sort of, I suppose you'd say his life was saved by circus, really. He went and then he went off to circus school. And um, so as he always says, he could have gone both ways. He could have just been a horrible brat, (laughs) no hoping loser, as he always likes to put it. Or, um, you know, or he went to circus school, which gave him this whole, you know, Mm. passion and existence and, for me, I have a Bachelor of Arts Communications in Theatre and Media from Charles Sturt Uni in Bathurst. And uh, then when I finished that, I felt really compelled by physical physical theatre. I really liked large character and um, comedy a lot. Um, I was really taken by the Commedia dell'arte when we studied and really loved the whole actor-creator thing, so making my own work from, from scratch. And so I went off to physical theatre school in California um, to the Delarte International School of Physical Theatre in Northern California and was lucky enough to study under Carla Mazzoni Clementi before he passed away. So he um, is actually Italian and devoted his life to, to the comedian, to a physical mm-hmm. theatre. So, um, so I guess through all of that, the thing that I became, and then I was very lucky as well, um, before I went there, I saw Leandra, famous Spanish clown play in Sydney on the street in Circular Quay. And I knew instinctively that I wanted to work in that way. I wanted to work in street theatre. I wanted theatre to be accessible. I wanted to be in control of my own destiny. I didn't want to be a waiter waiting to be an actress. I just really wanted to sort of take charge. And after seeing Leandra, I was like, 
okay, street theatre isn't just some guy on a unicycle with dreadlocks and you know, a chainsaw. I saw that there was, it was really theatre. There was potential to do real theatre. And then um, I, I went um, to Europe and saw the street theatre festivals there, hmm. um, which is not a turn up at all. Like it's very much you, most of those are very much programmed heavily programmed and um i was lucky enough to just meet the right people and have a great show and and spent 15 years really doing that touring in um touring in um you you created your shows and your characters essentially um uh with i guess with a sense of touring in mind or at least like with kind of like the locations and like your idea of street performances like was was totally the basis for what you were then set up to do for the rest of yeah, so for me, the real thing, what, what really got my juices going, if you like, was that idea of um, accessibility, theatre being really accessible, um, because I felt that part of my job was educational. I really wanted to educate people to the, to the nature of theatre, especially 20 years ago when it still felt, particularly in Australia, a little bit elitist, like it didn't really have, you know, people still loved sport more than theatre and all of those kind of things. Um, and... I also really loved connection and I loved playing with the audience. I loved no fourth wall. I loved that complete. And it was a real skill of mine still is absolutely to this day was connecting with that audience and using volunteers and playing with people. And so there really, I felt like there wasn't really any other choice for me (laughs) to do that street theater. And I loved it. Uh, Being on tour all the time like that was fabulous. It was really great money doing those European street theater festivals and, um, and I just loved the way that every sort of town had its own festival and own event and everyone came out for it and everyone was so proud of it and they loved that there were acts from all over the world. And in the beginning, being Australian was kind of special too. <laughs> it's not now, but, yeah. but then it kind of was. So, so then you... Um so yeah, it's just so when you said you were it was educational. Do you mean you were you're, you you kind of treated a bit like treated street performing as like the Trojan horse into introducing people? It isn't just uh, dreadlocks and a chainsaw. Although I'm sure you look great in dread, dreadlocks and you have a chainsaw. I'm sure you could nail a chainsaw, that. Chainsaw wielding a chainsaw. But, yeah. um, but it sounds like you sort of went like you, you. It's the way you're talking about it. You sort of use the shtick of street performing to get people to care more, I suppose, to invest more than just street performance, I suppose. Yeah, I think for me it was about that connection, shared joy, shared mm. joy, shared mm. laughter, connection, bringing people together to have an experience together, um, even if only temporary, which I think is what all theatre does. Yeah. Um, it's just sometimes in that sense it was bringing people together who didn't know they were going to see something or hadn't experienced it before or, you know, maybe were afraid of it, maybe didn't want to be involved in those kind of things, wouldn't have bought a ticket to a show, wouldn't have done all of those things, but to wander down the road to their, you know, their festival is is an easy first step and so Mm. then my real job I suppose was to win them over with lots of humor so that they might you know start to see it as 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 um as the wonderful thing that it is I think yeah I, I liken it to sport a lot I think it really does create community and it really does have that high level of skill from the players and it really does require the audience to be fully invested in something that they really you know that, that they really care about and that alters their life just like sport does. So. Yeah. You've basically built a business out of touring your own work and the, essentially, the, again, the people that you like. Like you've made those exact same relationships to your regular artists that you seem to get going back to in your community. Um, 
so I think I sort of alluded to it before. It's like you were, you found your way in was to create your own touring uh, system, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's, I suppose it's not really, it's more of a, you know, we have a product that we sell to festivals. So I suppose, Mm, mm, you know, it's not so much touring. It's more of going to an event as it happens. So we don't really go off and, and stay away. I mean, we did that just as artists, obviously touring in um, hmm. pre the business days, we would tour, you know, in Europe for months on end. But um, yeah, I guess it was re- it's always been really important to us, I think, to have carved a path that we knew we could rely on so that we could have this as it meant it meant the world to me to be able to do this as a living, you know, really as a living. And so that took some initiative and some risks and yeah, and definitely um, p- putting it in your own little hands, you know, and taking yeah. care of it. Mm. Well, so how would it, what are your practical, do you have practical advice for reaching those festivals and those events or are they, um, yeah, like, is it the same process of just like, is it calling direct? Is it through di- like basic application forms? Like what's the, how, how yeah. have you found your process works best? And I think there are a lot of opportunities with festivals in Australia. It feels like there aren't. If you look them up, you kind of go, oh, there's only, you know, 20, but there aren't, there are hundreds. Yes. And they're just, they're just, you also have to go to things that, and I'm going to talk from that, the view of outdoor festivals. Um, although I, you know, fringe festivals are great. I think a really great way to, to do things, but, um, the outdoor festivals, you know, you can go to the, to the apple festival, (laughs) you know, you can go to the pumpkin festival. Well, exactly. Exactly. So it's thinking outside the box a little bit like that too. And if you're wanting to do a street theater based show and you're happy to do it, for hatting, you know, for, for passing the hat, then you can probably make a deal with those people to, you know, pay you your travel expenses and you could do that if you wanted to learn the craft. You mm. can go and do it like that, you know. I think that people are a little afraid of street theatre, um, but I think there's t- two reasons not to be. One is it can be super creative. It doesn't have to be just that. But secondly, it gives you so much freedom and opportunity to go and do stuff and you know what the other thing is it will make you a better artist indoors as well Definitely. because the level of um presence you have to have outside to keep people's attention and focus is great for your for your skill as an artist totally okay yeah. even if I relate that to, to myself as an artist it was like before i was doing like theatre shows, like it was the same thing. Like I was just a uh, uh, performance poet, which is again, quite, it's just, just a, just take a, that just a just out. A, I guess I know. <laughs> it's such a it's such a modern thing to do. Um, uh, I guess I guess what I mean is um, it's the same as street theatre, where as, as soon as you say street theatre or performance poet, it conjures up a very specific type of thing, yeah. and the trick is right. to a find a way to draw people to see what it is and to see what it's not as well as to use those skills to turn it into something else later like so like if if i was you know emceeing a show or performing like just as a solo performer i did i think i did it for seven or eight years and that is such a like that is just a training i just consider it a training ground for what i do now which is like oh now i'm actually in a space and people have paid to be here and i 
honestly just have to keep their attention in ways that like if, through whatever tricks that I've learned, um, yeah. which sounds exactly like what what you're talking about of like, yeah, you, you literally have to draw people in from afar in from an outdoor environment. And once you've got them in a space, you d- you have to rely on a mixture of those and like how you've perfected those techniques as well. Um, yeah. And, and, and what you're really ex- describing there is what, that you, you have to do the work, yeah. you know, to, to, if, if you're going to go into this industry in whatever way it is a about being connected and getting to know people, which honestly, some people uh, find easier than others, Definitely. but it's a skill worth developing. Um, I'm not, I'm not great at it. I can be really quite shy <laughs> as myself, you know, but it's, but once you get to know people, it's wonderful. But the other thing is just do the work. You have to start somewhere and you can't start at the top. You can't start with your name in lights. You know, it just mm. doesn't work like that. And I think having realistic expectations about, I think a lot of people want to be famous too. I think that's kind of a thing. Whereas I think, you know, you can do so much and have such a good career without ever being famous, yeah. without ever being a household name as an artist. And, and I think that's really important to remember. Yeah, I was um I was discussing this the other day about like what actually what fame means these days. And actually mm. fame really means if you have a dedicated following of a small number, it actually is it's prob it's that that in itself it probably has its own sort of finance related to it, but also like that is genuine satisfaction. It's just like, oh no, these people there are people who would buy this very direct thing. Yeah. Um, it was I heard um I was sitting in the car the other day with with Dave and um and Lindsay McDougall on um ABC radio in the afternoon. Uh, he was talking to someone and he said something about, Oh, you could just kiki but over a bit shit, couldn't you? And I, Dave and I looked at each other and went, Did he just reference my character on the radio as though, you know, it was this thing that this could thing. happen? Yeah, yeah. And that was that moment where I went, Ah, you know. I, yeah, there's it's a just level a surprising reach. You're like, huh? Oh, yeah. that, that's like that's like a little bonus thing. Like you've never, you've never maybe um, necessarily needed that to further your career, but it's like proof that you've done, you've jumped exactly. a little hurdle. Yeah, yeah. That's all it really was. It was just this funny, and because he's talking to the Illawarra, you know, to this area where Kiki is actually quite knowing because of our festival, and we've done a lot of work in this area. But um, it was I mean, just sorry, really. Yeah, you seem incredibly prolific. Like that's one of the things. That, like, <laughs> like um, if Antonio before was just talking about like documentation, it was just like, oh, you have gr- like great photos. You got video clips. You got a website. It's quite cohesive. It's like you've just like as far as the basics of um what Antonio was saying goes, like you have a done the work and you have something to show for it. Like, um, it sounds like you're fulfilling it to a T. That's great. Yeah, but I think it's good for people to remember that that's nearly 25 years of my life. Mm. You know, that didn't happen overnight. It's, you know, that that took, oh, sorry. <laughs> that took quite a lot of, um, quite a lot of time. And, um, and I think that it was a lot of time, also a lot of discipline and, and a lot of will, like a lot of desire for it to. And I will tell you, there are days when we go, why are we still, like, why didn't we do something else with our lives? Why didn't we? And, of course, you always come out of that. But while you think about other people, you know, in a more traditional job structure, by the time they're in their mid-40s, they've climbed this ladder and they're getting this great, you know, 
often they've climbed a ladder, they're getting better money, they're getting more of this, more of that, whatever. And, um, and you're going, well, we're still, you know, kind of, there is not really a ladder to climb. And then that's what I think is really interesting is for people to understand what they want out of being an artist. And for us, it was really to have freedom. It was about freedom. Like, obviously it's about all the things it's about, which is entertainment and bringing laughter and joy. But for us, it was really about freedom, freedom with our time and with what we choose to do with our life and freedom to travel and have adventure and all of those things. But it was also about the freedom to be outside of the status quo and to be a little bit subversive, you know, to have a way to impact the planet as much as we could from, from being able to say what we wanted to say. That is the basis of like, I mean, it just sounds like you're saying have a goal, like a very, which is that again, that classic like business advice. If you treat your artistic practice like a business properly and you go like, oh, if there is a goal, I can work to achieve that goal and actually just clarifies so many things. And if your goal is in this case, freedom or the ability to tour without like having to, I don't know, dig in the dirt or whatever, uh, like, (laughs) like then it's like, that is a tangible goal that you can actually work for and work towards. And by hitting a goal, it's just like, oh, Oh, I'm achieving that thing. Like that is, yeah. And the thing is that what's amazing about that, you have to forgive me here because I'm a little bit passionate about the human brain. And, um, and like what, what's really amazing is that 95% of, of most human brains, most 95% of time for most people when they use their brain is spent thinking about the past. Now, if you actually use your brain to think about the future, and as I talked about, you're here, you want to be there, how do you fill the gap? If your brain is always working, so whatever you ask your brain, it's going to answer. So if you're always circling your brain backwards to the past, your brain's only answering the same questions, that it, but your brain has so much capacity to fulfill any future you want, actually. Mm. So it's that thing of, you know, when you buy a red car, you see a red car everywhere. You know, it's what you, what you put into your brain is what your brain will work out how to do for you. So yeah. I always encourage people to, as you say, have a goal, see your future, know it in extreme detail, like know what you really, really want, because it is one of the most amazing ways to get it. Because essentially what you, what you think about and what you work towards is, is what, you know, what you project for yourself is, is makes it so much more achievable. So mm. it's scientific. Apparently, <laughs> no. That's, that's yeah. I mean, that's just like anything. Like, uh, yeah, you're right. Having that goal just kind of clears up all the mess and just it basically gives focus. It seems to be the kind of it is focus. And then you, you ask yourself the question. So I've been offered to do this gig. Does this uh, help or, me fulfill or this goal? thing? How does this help me get to where I want to be? Does it? Should I say no? Hmm. You know, um, or, or does it just by giving me another chance to do that show again so that it gets better or whatever the reason is? But I think you need to be purposeful, and I think that kind of comes back to what Antonia is saying about don't always try to be funded. Like you know, try to carve a path for yourself and hmm. and be really intentional about where where that path's leading you. And I think you'd be amazed at the sheer power of a brain to make something happen um that's probably a lovely place to end maybe tomorrow (laughs) um that's great that's i i think i just really appreciate it most with all these chats i've done um coming away with kind of a simple practical advice seems to be the best thing and it seems like you've nailed it or at least you even know how to sort of like package it even for yourself is enough way to like help you get to the next phase so maybe i could just ask like what's the what's your your next phase like what's 
before we kind of finish up, like what's your, do you have a plan or another goal right now? Yeah, I do always. <laughs> Sometimes too much. Yeah. Um, so we have, I, I suppose I have a threefold goal at the moment. One is to get Laughter House back to work after mm-hmm. the old uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, can't really say after it, <laughs> yeah. regardless of it. Um, so we're really thinking about how to pivot that business to make it more robust for the future, for what whatever's going to come. And I think that's great advice for ep- absolutely everyone on the planet right now. Right now, you should be not thinking things are going to go back to normal. You should be thinking, how do I make sure whatever I'm doing is robust enough to survive another slap up the side of the face like this was? Because yeah. I don't think this is the last one. You know, I think that our world is, is changing really fast at the moment. And whether it's a pandemic or a, you know, a stock market crash or a, you know, borders being closed for years on end who knows what it's going to be but i think it's really important to think about how to be robust so that's one thing that we're really working on with laughter house how do we pivot that that business so that we can you know not have to squeeze 120 people into a little tent what what are, what are our other options what are we doing and also in doing that how do we help to move our industry forward so that's part of our discussion with laughter house um, with myself and with Kiki, I am going to work wildly, have started on a plan to wildly increase her profile. That's my plan. That is what I want to do. And um, so I'm just going to be crazy about building Kiki's profile. And I'm thinking about how to do that um, so that she has products that are digitally based as well. And the other thing that um, I am working on is I'm taking things a little bit further with what I love about the brain and what I love about human connection and what I love about comedy and working to combine them all together in a brand new business for me. And um, one of the things that I think is super important in um, in thinking about the future and particularly in, in any field but, but in the arts is... Um, so many things are going to change. They say that 2029 is the tipping point of um, where technology will be outgrowing humanness. Um, so I think it's really important to just start opening our minds in what we think about in the way that, that things are because I don't, I don't want to sound like all fatalistic about it, but it's actually an opportunity. It's, it's a beautiful challenge. And one of the things, for example, that they say is that... Um, you know, the world will operate primarily through subscriptions moving forward. So how can you build your art into something that can be a subscription for people? Like it's really great to not sit in your own little bubble and hope everything's going to be okay because hopium just doesn't work. So I would say think ahead all the time, read stuff about what's going to happen in the future because it's really important and particularly important for the arts. And you want to be blazing a trail, not catching up, not chasing behind. And so I think that requires a whole shift in the way we think at the moment. And this pandemic has given us some great thinking time and we need to use it wisely. Totally. Yeah. Plan to adapt, I guess. is the Yeah, exactly. So I love everything she said here. If we're looking for practical advice, she said, have a goal to keep clarity about what success means to you. That is a clear goal, by the way. Preparing for adaptation in your industry and ultimately hard work, which is a good place to cue part two with a sting from the reverse theme song, obviously. Part two, Uh, from the point of view of the company. 
Okay, so let's just say that the first half was about the artist's goal when it comes to touring. So to develop this conversation, it's worth asking about, once you've developed a performance or a show, how to make those goals a reality. And I already knew who to call. Hi, Tom. This is Antonia Seymour from Arts on Tour. Antonia and Arts on Tour helped me tour a two-person show of mine named The Epic from the north of Queensland all the way down to Hobart. And I'm working with them again to follow it up with love song dedications without Richard Mercer. It's all about you, Tom. (laughs) To give you an indication of what they do and how good Antonia is at her job, I casually mentioned that the first tour went so well because as an independent artist, they handled the delivery of the tour in a way that felt smooth and something I didn't anticipate, easy. Everything from booking flights and hotels and freight and communication with venues, car hire, places to eat, just everything. So I guess we, so we work with, we work with, um, yeah, we work with people in lots of different ways. So I guess for us, it really starts with the, the key, the, the, the hardest bit for me is the actual tour development. So the actual kind of, okay, you know, we're going to sell the show to venues. Um, we're going to get people on board and then we're going to stitch together a tour kind of thing. And then we're going to get funding for it. So that for me, that process is the stuff that's really, really hard. Um, and then the tour delivery is what we're, you know, because we do so much of it, we're really, our main concern is, is actually that everyone has a good time. So that now, obviously there's a huge focus now on mental health. Mm. So in, you know, in non-COVID circumstances, well, in COVID circumstances as well, but in COVID circumstances, there's just so much to think about, but, but yeah, so, so we want it to just be as, um, smooth as possible for, the people on tour as well as the venues coming in. And so we see our role as, yeah, just making that process as good as possible. You know, mm. what we're going to come to, we're going to come to the conclusion that both, both routes are completely valid. Cause I think for, you do want to be able to make a show without having a thousand questions about, you know, which audiences are relevant to, and then seeing where that show goes, and I think, especially if you're starting as an emerging artist, if you, you can, we, we're, so, we're so capable of overthinking everything anyway that, yeah. you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is you get completely paralyzed and you don't make anything because you don't feel like you've got all the information. So I think there's the, the, that scenario of just make stuff, get it out there, see if it works, and then, and then keep taking one step at a time. I think once you've then been doing it a while and you do have a sense of, where your work fits in the sort of landscape, what kind of audiences it attracts, that's when I think it's, it's, it's beneficial if you can kind of be a little bit more, um, do a bit more of that thinking up front. So, look, I just, just, to, um, just to sort of follow on from what Tamara's saying just mm. generally, because I think what's really, because I've got a kind of marketing background and my, um, I think it's really in terms of if you are a, if you are an emerging artist and you're finding your way, it feels like the most important thing is to, is to really connect with your audience. So obviously comedy is great like that because you have your, your art is your connection. I would, you know, isn't it, you know, if you have to, you have to be able to sort of tap in. So, you know, at such a sort of, um, yeah, such like an human level, level. Like the kind of yeah, like there's just there's there's it's just you and them. There's nothing it's very visceral. It's I think. completely visceral. Yeah. So I think the the great thing about that is, 
when that's your art form, that is always front and centre. Because um, I think it's not always with artists. So I think there's lots of other performing arts where there's, there's almost a uh, sort of hiding behind the work. Um, and I think that's where that's problematic, I think, you know, because you, I think the more you know your audience, and obviously, Tom, you do this as well, like you've got to really be able to feel them. You've got to be able to put yourself in their shoes of like, what, why are they going to come and see my show? What are they going to get out of it? Um, and, and see lots and lots of work as well so you know where yours fits kind of thing. Because I think, and I think that's, um, it reminds me of um, a friend of mine as a, a lecturer, a lecturer's design at uni and, and was kind of horrified that um, they were interested in aesthetics and design, but they never, they don't actually go to museums or go and see art. So it's sort of a, you know, sometimes it's that similar thing of if you, you, you yeah, that you need to, um, yeah, you just really need to know where your work fits and what you're giving your audience and why your audience is going to come and see you and know that that's an enormous privilege, you know, that they're going to kind of give up their time and money to, um, to do that and be really clear about what they're getting. Um, and I feel like the only way to do that is to sort of tread the boards kind of thing. So, um, which is why, again, fringe festivals are great in terms of just just being in that sort of, again, slightly street festival in terms of there's just so much going on. You can see heaps of work yourself. You can see how audience is responding. You can get a real feel for where you fit. Um, uh, so because, so to then go to your point, Tom, I've, that's, it's really crucial um, for, for us, but we can only do it again through the, through the artist and the producer to really know how you do sell your show, you know, yeah. like what, and, and the other interesting thing that's obviously becoming more and more prevalent, um, and again now even more in COVID times, is you having your own presence. Hmm. So uh, what's your, and again, this, again, Arts on Tour can only do so much, this is much more about the artists themselves, like what's your social media reach and what, how do you communicate to your audience? And again, so tomorrow I'm sure you, that's your, again, that's your bread and butter kind of thing, but but again, I feel like that's not, there's in this more slightly, in the subsidized world that sometimes is a bit, uh, a, I kind of want to say entitlement, but a sort of sense that people will come. And yeah. I think it's, it's like, uh, no, maybe yeah. they won't. And um, you need to work. You yeah, know, you I, don't, need, I don't think theatre yeah. sells itself. It's just like, it's hey. Def it a, definitely doesn't sell there's itself. There's a night out. It, this doesn't really yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It also really needs to learn, to, to your point, Antonia, I think it really needs to learn to stand on its own two feet. Yes. Like I think it will have so much more gravitas when it does that. Like yep. then it's not seen. Like I think there's, there's a lot of business in mm. art that artists need to learn. I think yes. that's really important. But, you know, the business side of art mm. is always... <laughs> We're not taught it at all. Mm. It's sort of swept under the rug. It's almost to the point where you're made to feel bad if you totally. make money from yes. your art. Absolutely. Then it's not actually yes. creative, your commercial. Yeah, yeah totally. You know? Yeah, and, and therefore lesser. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I actually think that's really wrong because if you're not yeah. making something that people want to see, then maybe you shouldn't be making that. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, yeah. I'm sorry if that's controversial. No, but no, no, like, I feel, I feel hard enough even just saying like, hey, my show's good. Like, yeah. like yeah. oh, I mean, you've seen other stuff, but this one's real good. It just, like, that feels <laughs> weird enough to say as it is. But I think that's the other thing because the, the thing I always think as well is that people support people and people come and see people, mm. not the work kind of thing. So, um so, you know, like I saw, I, you know, Daniel Keane did, um, oh, Daniel Kitson, God, what am I saying? Oh, yeah. He did a, you know, he did a show lately uh, online. And what really struck me was that all of the kind of pre, um, you know, getting tickets and all of this is all from him in his crazy way of talking kind of thing. Yeah. So like he, like, oh, he talks very directly and it's never really about the show itself. And like it's not about... Yeah. Yeah, and it's not about the venue either. So it's like a direct kind of line between and mm. I thought oh, this is going to become more and more because that's that makes me feel as a as an audience member that makes me feel great because I'm get I'm getting the show already just in the way you're communicating with me if you know what I mean. And I feel like that is going to become more and more important and things like you know when we've toured companies like Branch Nebula which is a bunch of you know, with a bunch of kind of skateboarders and BMXs, you know, their great thing is that they've got like Insta accounts with thousands and thousands of followers with all yeah, their tricks. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that is going to become, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's horrible, but we're in it's such like a kind of... have to do more social media than we already are. That's exhausting. But, but, <laughs> but I think though the key difference is not that you have to say, Tom, hey, come and see my show. It's awesome. It's just being you if you know what i mean yeah it's very it's it's, um yeah but it's being a person that people can connect with you know like it's and that that you're putting yourself out there and they're like oh that was really i really that was really interesting you know like i'm really i feel connected to you and therefore i will come and see you you know that's the trusted advisor type thing isn't yeah. it like it's that sort of putting that head into it so you're always there so yeah. it's not just, you're not just suddenly there when, when you've got a show on, you're actually always yes. there talking to your audience. And, yep. um, and I think that's, yeah, that's really, I think that, I think you're right. I think that's super important and probably something none of us do enough, you know, we're, we're hiding well, and, away too much. And younger people do it sort of yeah. much more easily because that's already part of their, for, yes, for us, it's, it's a new learned <laughs> strange behavior. Yeah. But for them, it's just part of living kind of thing. So, yeah. and also that terrible thing, which is true, you know, that terrible thing now where like people, <clears throat> young people, um, these aliens, young people come, they, you know, that whole idea that you might see a show because it has social media value. So the whole point of doing something is because you can then um, tell, people about it. tell people about it. And that's, you know, that that's kind of, that's that's a real thing you know so so against like artistic sensibilities especially when like like making a show that you go like no this is valuable because it's uh has because it's truth a about ephemeral live yeah. experience that as you were saying connects and all yeah. does all this beautiful which it still does but in terms of there's always the difference of you know what do you need to get someone there versus what experience are they going to have when they're there so mm. for me it's like mm. you know we all live for the knowing that the, the sort of beauty of that experience and that exchange but then there's this all this other sort of stuff that sort of is required to 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 get that alchemy to happen you know yeah. and that's just in our life and that's i mean i can see street festivals and that kind of outdoor spontaneous kind of situation is so much more beautiful in that way because you don't have to 
go through all of this sort of rigidity and all of this sort of cultural layers to get people through the door, you know? Yeah, that's right. Like sort of it's, uh, and particularly if what you're talking about, you've already built this sort of relationship. And, and the other thing, when we, we run our own festival here in Kaima where we live that that's now 10 years. We did our 10th oh, one online. Wow. We had our 10th fell at the end of April. So we did it online. We went, well, it's good for the brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And because at the end of April, everyone was so cooped up and going bonkers. They loved it. And we were able to have artists in from America, Germany, Sweden, yes. you know, because it was online. And we just got yes. a tech person who took care of everything and we just did our thing. And it was, yeah, our, oh, our awesome. audience just loved it. And that was that, that's an example of that thing of being there, being that trusted person for them. And that's what I wanted to say, I think is really important about understanding with art as well and in building that presence socially is that what you do as an artist is not for you. It's mm. for your audience. Yeah, and I think that's super important. And I think that sometimes we forget that. We get very insular and, you know, I'm a great artist, I'm a great comedian, I'm a great whatever, and I'm going to create something awesome. But actually it's, I think you've always got to look out towards towards them all the time because without them, <laughs> as we've learned a little bit doing stuff online, mm. it feels like you don't have them in the same way. You know, without them, it's not the same. That exchange of energy is so mm. so magical. So crucial. I think they have they have to sort of see the product first. That's be like value in that product at some point because especially we're talking about touring. That for me to get uh, like someone from uh, Bernie from Tasmania to come and see my show, like, like there's they they do not care that mm. who Tom Hogan is. I actually need to see a product that is worth like seeing as well, and then I need to sort of get there to be me. It's a, I think that that's what I found when at least when touring or when going to locations, I was like, oh, I actually have no clout, and actually all they actually do know is this external poster. And then, mm. and it's like mm. I, it made it just changed the vibe of all the interviews because the interviews I was like, hey, like don't worry, it's not even it's not even that real theater. It's fine. It's just me. I'm just like a normal guy. And it's not, it's, it's totally cool. Well, yeah. So, but there's also that. I mean, in this in this the world, the the sort of venue world, there's the the venue is also doing the same thing. So the venue is establishing their kind of relationship that's with their true. audience it's and so you know by themselves yes no unless you're doing you know a straight hire so i think what's interesting is that venues more and more as obviously times are more difficult you know the traditional thing in in um in my world is that the venue buys the show so then like you say tom the the marketing and everything is all of the risk is sitting with the venue mm. and so now it's much more common if you are a kind of unknown is for them to say, okay, cool. All right. Well, yeah, we'd love to have you, but uh, we're going to have to share that risk. So we'll do a, you know, a, we'll do a co-production deal kind of thing where um, we'll, so that you've got skin in the game basically. And I feel like that's um, uh, obviously that, that's much more difficult, especially for artists. It's, there's a lot less certainty, but it does make you work a lot harder and it does mean that, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, you, I can see why venues sort of go that way when when their ability to take risk is is, is difficult and even more difficult now. Um, hmm. But it is. But 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 in terms of like, oh, why is this venue programmed me doing this random show? Like, there's also then that uh, the idea is that they have 
audiences who trust that venue to, to program stuff. Pro- yeah. yeah. So, so I think the key thing is really knowing where, where that all sits. So, mm. so that, that you as the, the artists come in, know exactly what your kind of, what the expectations are on you. What are you, mm. what have you promised? What are you, what's expected? Because it does have to be a kind of, it is a partnership, you know, where, you've got to work together kind of thing. Uh, I mean, okay, if we work on the assumption that like the artist has a product, like there's no point of us like ex- exploring how to, an artist to perfect and like get better at getting their own work. I guess maybe the, it should be something about what are some first steps an artist can do first of all to first of all establish a relationship with venues or touring bodies or, um, mm. or arts on tour, for instance. Like how, how yeah. does arts on tour find a new artist? Can I go first on that one? Oh, please. Because so, the first thing that I, the first thing that I feel like is really important to say is that um, it's really good not to start out relying on funding. Um, a because it is really in scarce supply, and B because it psychologically sets up this. Um, re- this this sort of like oh I can't do anything because I don't have funding for it. Mm. And so I feel like the most important thing, and it's been really, you know, there's a, um, a director I work with, Kate Gould, who is very senior, very, very highly regarded, uh, really well established, and she just doesn't even bother applying for funding. Oh, no, and I think, yeah, it's, I think it's just like, that's, 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 that ruins yeah, my entire like, process of how just, a show is going to happen. Yeah. It just, it's, it's completely demoralizing. It makes you completely disempowered and you're just constantly waiting for another round, for another announcement. And so I think, but I feel like as an industry in this subsidized bit, um, we've got this sort of idea that if it's not funded, it's not worthy or it's not good enough. So we sort of use it as well as a sort of channel of, um, oh, I've been funded by the Australia Council. I must be good, you know. And so my, 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 I feel like the most important thing to communicate is to really just try and make work and also to invest in your own work. I think as well as this idea that, oh, I couldn't invest my money, but I expect everyone else to invest their money, you know. And I think that, again, that's a really unhelpful sort of um, mentality because I think really the most important thing to do is to, is to make invest in your own work to whatever capacity you can, um, and to get it at, and to get it at fringe festivals and to be in front of an audience and to feel and to learn that way and then and then you'll get better and you'll learn and then people and then you can invite people to come and see it and then it can go on from there if you know what I mean. But first, I feel like it's really important to just if you want to do it, you've got to just you do have it. to back yourself first and that's. I think the, the and, and then we have this sort of, we have this sort of um, uh, thing at Arts on Tour as well as, because we, we like talking to people as much as possible. Um, but this idea that you, um, you know, uh, do you have the tenacity to, to do it? You know, because I think there's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of thinking and there's a lot of wishing, but actually are you going to do it kind of thing? And that, that's, that's a whole different ball game, you know, and I think, um, you've got to be super, super committed. You've got to be, it's not easy. You know, you've got to really love what you're doing so much that you, you back yourself, you keep going and you just sort of the old fashioned way, you know, like treading the boards, you know? Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that 
really the artist headspace, the mindset needs to change. And then, well, I mean, obviously that's a generalization, not everyone, but mindset needs to change so that you really do think of your art as a business and, and that it has to be commercially viable um, unless you want to have another job and it's just your hobby, which is totally fine. But, you know, and, and I think, again, to your point, Antonio, it's really important not to be elitist and to rank to rank things, you know, if it's funded, it's better, or if it's street theater, it's nothing, or, you know, it's really, it's all an expression of something artistic that is designed to bring joy to an audience. That that's the bottom line. And I think that to, to do stuff, you need to think about it as a business. You need to be resourceful. Um, and, and probably even entrepreneurial. I really think you have to think like that. You have to be a big thinker. And as you say, you have to do the work. This is not, you know, choosing this as your career is not a walk in the park. It actually sucks sometimes, like really sucks harder than anything else ever could. And I think that the big thing I always think for myself is, you know, I'm here now. I want to be there there's a big ass gap in the middle. I have to mine that gap and I have to do whatever I can to, to build the bridge across that gap. That's my job. That's my work. That that's my thing. And so when I can't work out how to get a program off the ground or how something might work or how to make it make money, I have to figure that out and I have to be resourceful and I have to be creative, but I also have to think about money. It's a fact. So I think that's, that's the one thing I, I really agree with you that it it has to be a business, not something that gets handed to you. Mm. Yeah. I think um, I know Antonio. You'll have to leave in a second, so maybe I'll just toss to you. I've got definitely. I've got definitely got ten. Yeah, good ten minutes. Oh, okay, yeah. sure, a yeah. good one. Oh, oh you um, know, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. eleven. So, um, <laughs> apart from uh, so, if you so, if we're looking for like showing, showing commitment, showing your craft, and obviously there'll be another like obviously funding bodies is a way to have money and resources. Not that I've ever got the grant to make a work or anything like that, and then. Uh, after that, is that is it a thing that artists can like cold call? I mean, I know there is a like mm. performing arts markets. Yeah. Um, okay. So yes, where do we go to with that? Yeah. So what's the next phase to get to someone like you specifically? Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Look. So we so we're really happy to talk to uh, anyone who's listening to this and wants to learn more about touring. They can just look us up. Ask you want to get a thousand calls? With and, yeah. Because oh. <laughs> can I say though too yeah. that you guys are so great and like Kate, I've spoken to Kate a number of times and so, you're so so generous with time and it's really it is a great resource for people i think thank you so we try we try and have an open door policy and um yeah to to, to talk as much as possible to 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 really lay out the landscape (laughs) because it is and because it isn't easy so so we can help with things like um yeah where do you fit what are the next steps are um we can help with contacts um and usually our advice would be, and there are showcases and stuff, but again, they're quite hard to get into. Um, so I, so again, I also, so with this whole, you know, people support people kind of idea, um, it's really good to start with where you live and who, you know, like to, to really just do a sort of network of, okay, I live here. So I know the, uh, so I, I've got that. Um, I know these people were random people from, you know, like really, that whole thing where you scratch your head and you go, oh, right, I do know, I do know some people, or I know this person that knows this person, you know, um, who can I ask where there's some, just any kind of vague connection where you can ring someone and go, oh, 
blah, blah, suggested I give you a call. You know, any, just any connection means that that person will be a lot more um, receptive. Mm. Um, and then this, you know, usual things as well, like obviously having really kind of clear, having, so have, well, so the other thing to really invest in upfront is, is really good documentation. Mm. So, because obviously no one can buy your show if they don't have an idea of what it is. So again, that usually requires, requires that's an upfront investment but it will pay, you know, and it happens all the time where someone's paid a really good photographer and they've just got amazing shots or they've got a really solid kind of clip. Um, so you have to, so again, you have to invest in that um, to sort of start a conversation. And then it's always really good to so sort of so, so try and have some vague connection with whoever you're contacting, make it small. So start small. Don't think I'm going to conquer Australia in one go, like just go, okay, I'm going to try and, trying to get a relationship going with six people or whatever it is that you think is manageable. Um, and then have, have all the really simple information in an email, but always call because, you know, there's so many times where people will say, Oh, I emailed them twice and I never heard anything. It's like, dude, they've got like 300 emails in their box and they get, so it's so always trying to understand their point of view and that it, yeah, that you need to kind of make a person, you need to make a human connection, you know, so you need to pick up the phone and say, Hey, you might not have seen it yet, but I sent you an email last week. I've got this show. I thought you might be so-and-so thought you might be interested in anything where there's some kind of little sort of connection. Would you or say the other like great a guideline for, for most touring companies? Like everything. You, like a, a con, like <laughs> direct contact. Everything solves pretty so much. Problems actually. Yes, I think there's a yeah. There's way too much reliance on email. So email for me should always just be a vessel in the information that's mm. given with a phone call. If there's no human connection made, nothing will ever happen. Yeah. I can guarantee it. So you have to either have met them, you have to have either talked to them on the phone. Yeah. Otherwise, why? Again, like why on earth would they be interested in you if they don't even know who you are? You know, it's. And, and that's where it's sort of sure the work might be brilliant, but they won't have even like clicked on the link unless there's a reason to, you know, there's just too much. I mean, the other great thing to remember is there's just way too much supply. There's just, yes. there's, we have a phenomenal industry of incredibly talented people making amazing work and there's just too much supply. <laughs> and that's the horrible truth, you know. Yeah. That's the so, best, most practical yeah. piece of advice that I think I've ever had from any of these. <laughs> like, like the number of like uh, panels and workshops I've gone to that, is, that like ultimately just say like, just make better work or like just write yeah. something. You just like, like no. just call us. It's actually really lovely and nice and, to hear. And also, and also that kind of concept of the work has to be good enough. Yeah. Uh, so there's, obviously we're all aware that there's some work that is utterly, utterly extraordinary, life-changing, phenomenal. That work doesn't actually come along very often. And then there's and then there's a lot of work that's that's good. It's good enough. It's not perfect, but I've it's good enough. <laughs> it's good enough. Uh, and then there's work that's not good enough. You know, but most, you know, if you're making phone calls, you're you, you're in the understanding that your work is in the good enough category. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's got to be good enough. Plus, I'm making a relationship, or I'm really good to deal with, or I have Turn got a great, you know. Turn up on time. I am super. I'm, you know, because again, you just can't be, you can't be difficult. <laughs> you know, <laughs> difficult is a killer. So yeah. if you want to be difficult, then uh, you're going to make life very difficult for yourself. Because everyone's already busy and stressed and under-resourced and all the things that we 
that just go with that industry, you know. Mm. That's that was that was that's that was brutal. really good, Antonio. That was, <laughs> no, that, that was gold, <laughs> absolute gold. Yeah, great uh, advice. Uh, and the other thing, so the good thing about that, actually, just to say, just to try and make that a bit more positive, is people also stay with people. So once you make these connections, mm. you will be getting work for them for ten years. You know, so we don't like change. We don't like newness, even though we think we do. And we're really loyal generally in this industry. You know, we want to, because we also want to know that the person we supported to begin with was a good, I backed a good horse. Mm. So there's a sort of personal investment in making that sort of return. It, it really is like treating, like like your audience for, to see the show on a creative sense is just as like, you can literally treat that the same way as getting the business side of things together as well. Like, Ultimately, yeah. it's the, the exact same principles sort of stand in place of selling not only this individual work and how groundbreaking this thing is, but like the, yes. the stability and the likable uh, yes. just being a human, I suppose. Yeah, and that's why tomorrow, to, like it's genius when you can actually, when you can literally connect those two things. Mm. So if you're in character, so the work, the bleed of what's, where does the work begin and end and where does the person begin and end is obviously kind of, that doesn't work for everything, but when it does, that's... That's obviously handy. I mean, lucky for me, I've never even, I only play myself on stage as well. <laughs> well so, yeah, you're the same. I mean, yeah. you're, I mean, I've said that to you when you do your kind of, when you're doing your more kind of MC work, you are being you, which is yeah. the same as your show, you know. It's like I used to even have a stage name and it's just like, oh, cut, even get rid of that line. That Body. line is too hard to trust. It's like, yeah, <laughs> brutal. Um, well, maybe, uh, thanks so much, Antonia, at least for that. That was such a great, a cohesive way to understand that process i think that was really um nice like just put that on a like great oh, i'm just, glad that was useful I was, but yeah, was really good. It was, just, it, was just, it was just crystal clear i guess is the way that i, I like hearing that's like that. I, i'm glad i hope it didn't sound brutal but we are really happy to help people because we want what we want is a more diverse touring sector so the more um the more open that can get then the better it is for everybody if you know what i mean so yeah i liked Everything about this. Practical things I can literally take on board right now. And about understanding the company's take on an artist's goal. So I hope that was helpful. But oh wait, uh, one more thing. When Antonia left, Tamara had one last piece of very practical advice. And that's all the stuff Antonia was talking about. I was actually taking heaps of notes as she talked because I was like, yeah. oh, these geez. are all the things <laughs> I need to remember and I need to, you know, I know them, but it's important when you hear them again, it's really great for you to write. I always say that I'm going to swear, write shit down, always write shit down. It always just helps you to, to remember and reiterate. Even if you think you've heard something before, every time your brain hears it, you're going to hear it differently and it's going to help you again or it's going to clarify it in a different way. Exactly. I hope I'm not leaning into that phrase, practical advice. uh, But I, I guess what I just mean is I just like the clarity of what to do that does actually apply to everyone. Just something crystal clear. So, Let's veer away from performing arts and, I don't know, maybe next week, visual? Yeah. That was Creative Dialogues. Thanks so much to Antonia Seymour from Arts on Tour and Tamara Campbell from Laughter House Entertainment. I'll link to both their websites in the show notes. Big thanks to Janine Primer and Annie Clapton from Wollongong City Council's Cultural Development Team for, again, doing all the hard work for me. And make it very easy. Thanks so much.
And Tamara, it's great to meet you. Yeah, you too. And um, yeah. and I'll, I'll have to stay in touch with you. It'd be yeah, great to um, so. Oh, it's happening right now, guys. We're making connections. <laughs> right now. It's all happening. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. That was thanks fun. So much, thanks. Lovely to meet you. Yeah, see ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.